listener production. You are listening to episode 21 of the Howie Games Artist Series Part B featuring singing sensation Anthony Clear. Remember, check out Anthony's new book, Behind the Voice. It is a beauty. All right, Tommy, let's keep going. But Australian Idol, um, I didn't realise, to take a slightly different path now, I didn't realise, I don't think anyone would have realised until they read your book that when you went on Idol, it was not the first time you set yourself to go on Idol. And I read that part of your book and it was difficult to read. Like I, I reflected, um, I was saying to my kids yesterday that you got married in 2014 and it wasn't legal in Australia till 2017. Mm-hmm. And my kids were, so they were, you know, six and four at the time. They didn't understand what I was saying. It was still illegal to be gay in Tasmania seven years before I did Idol. <laughs> To be gay. <laughs> it's it's mind-blowing. I don't have the, the words or the understanding except to say, how can that have been? But but you were going to try it for Idol, but mm-hmm. it, it never happened first time around, yeah, is the way you described it in the book. Correct. So that morning, I was going through a lot internally. Um, I was constantly fighting with myself in my own head. On the facade, I would put on a brave face and... As you said, it was hard to read, but it was extremely hard to write. I can only imagine. I haven't thought about it for so, so, so long, and I had to unlock that vault. But and don't go too far into it. it was oh no, 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 no! It's fine. Like I've, I'm at ease with it now. But it's, it was a very difficult time in my life because I clearly was in such a dark headspace that you know there was a time that. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror and like myself. I couldn't say that I was gay. I felt ashamed. And the year before I did Idol, it was the first year, the inaugural year, I woke up that morning and left my parents a six-page note letting them know that I was gay. How long did it take you to write it? Oh, I can't remember how long it took me to write it. I clearly had a lot to say because there were six pages pages. and I left it in the house and I left early that morning and I went to the auditions for Idol. I don't know what made me think that I could physically and emotionally audition Mm. for the first season of Idol, but clearly music was my go-to and it still is like, it's my happy place. Like when I sing, that's still to this day, when I feel as though that I need to make myself feel better, I go and lock myself in a room in my house and just sing. I sing whatever I want to sing because it just makes me feel good. And so maybe subconsciously in my head, I thought if I leave this letter and go and sing, it's going to make me feel good. So I rocked up to the auditions. I lined up for hours. I turned my Nokia 5110 off. Um, (laughs) Because I didn't, yeah, I know, right, with the blue cover, <laughs> and I didn't want my parent. I didn't want to speak to my parents because I was so so scared. And then, as soon as they called my number out for that idol audition, I totally froze and I had an anxiety attack and I didn't know what to do. And I just stayed silent. And then once they moved on because no one got up, I left. Oh, so they I, called your number? You didn't stand up? Oh, they called it out three times, and I didn't stand up because I just couldn't audition because I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I got up slowly and then I left and my cousin met me outside, Anna, and then I said, I'm not going home. And I was just crying. And she goes, what do you want to do? And so I booked myself into a hotel and I stayed there for a night or two. And then In Melbourne? In Melbourne. I didn't go home. 
And I knew because then my cousin called me and said, your dad is so worried about you. Can you please let them know where you are? And I said, and that made me feel really bad because I was like, here I am not wanting to face them. But when she said, your dad is really worried about you, I'm like, oh, he actually still likes me. Like he actually still wants to be my dad. Um, so I didn't call him. I literally just went back home. And no words were actually said initially. All they did was hug me and my mum, I remember my mum crying, but no words were said. And then after a while, I just went into my bedroom and I was just lying on my bed and my dad walked in and I remember it vividly. It wasn't initially what he said. It was the second part of what he said that really got me. It was, Anthony, there is nothing wrong with you. You're not sick. You haven't hurt anyone, which is... Yeah, it's true. But what he said next was the part that really got me. He said, you know, what can mum and I do to help you? And having, and, and, and when I think about that, it's not, my dad is such a beautiful man and that shouldn't have surprised me. His reaction should not have surprised me. But clearly I built this up in my head to think that it was so much bigger than what it was. But that was my truth at the time. And that was what I was going through. So I can't apologize for that. But having that support of my dad in that first instance was really pivotal for me moving forward. Now, it's not like a switch is flicked and then all of a sudden it's fine. Like I, it took me a good three to six months to even speak to anyone properly about it because I was just ashamed. I, I didn't like myself. I actually dressed in black quite a lot. Um, and then my dad organized a psychologist on the other side of town. My dad even said to me, he goes, do you feel comfortable living in this house? And I said, I don't know. Like, I don't know why. I, I don't know. I can't answer that. Cause he even said to me, he goes, if we need to sell and we need to move somewhere else for you to feel comfortable within yourself, mum and I will do that. What a great man. Like, what a great Just man. the support was endless. And when he organized that psychologist, I felt so bad because I was wasting my parents' money because I was not speaking to this psychologist initially. And he's, at, all. at all. Like I was just sitting there and he's asking me questions and I just was not opening up. And then after a while, I could tell that he was, you know, getting frustrated with me, which I understand. You've got a client there, mm. a patient that's not opening up, but, you know, you're spending sessions upon sessions. And he just said to me, he goes, listen, I don't think this is going to work. Let's go out to the back of my office and have a cigarette together. <laughs> and when he said that, and we sat on those back steps together, that's where he was, he cracked me. And I just felt really comfortable with him. And it was very bizarre that it took a cigarette <laughs> to, um, mm. to make me feel comfortable with a psychologist. And he definitely helped me through. And it was a slow process, but somehow it, it always comes back to music for me. Like any time that I need to feel good, I just, I just sing. And somehow I maneuvered my headspace to be able to do the second series of Idol and I auditioned again. Hello. Hey, Anthony, how you doing? Good, how are you? Not bad for an old dude, yourself? Good, good. Yeah. What are you going to sing today? Wishes by Human Nature. Okay, in your own time, mate. 
And I wish that I could have just one more chance And I wish that I could be your pillar of strength And I pray you'll see that what I'm saying is true Cause I, I And at the time though, my parents knew I had maybe two friends that knew My brother and sister knew And that was about it So here I am rocking up to the audition again. I didn't feel entirely comfortable with myself. I watched, I, I watched the audition yesterday. Yeah, it's on it, YouTube. I know, it's on YouTube. Yeah. And um, I'm overly tanned. <laughs> well, well Dicko, what is Dicko? I wrote it down. Dicko said... Plastic. Too plastic at the moment and need a bit of roughing up mm-hmm. to give you an edge. I think you've got a great voice, you know. The best voice we've heard today, absolutely. Thank you. And... Um, I think you're good looking. I think you're maybe a little bit too plastic at the moment and need roughing up a bit to give you a bit of an edge. Yeah. And then we'll get to what happened in the final, but I, I saw what he said about you in the final and never has someone won someone over more than you did with him mm. over that period of time. But um, Yeah, it was interesting because I never... So I did the audition. And, and you just sort of clicking your fingers and singing away and Mark said he'd followed you and mm. Marsha was Marsha. It was... Um, yeah. I forgot how big that show was. It was massive. Yeah. It was, that series was the biggest show on TV, still in history. 3.2 to 5 million people viewed that grand final. Which will not happen again due Ever. to segmentation and streaming, etc. So, so you do the audition. Mm-hmm. Did the audition and I got through to the top 100, the top 50, the top 30, and then... I didn't get through on public vote because that was all judges and producers. So once the public started voting, I was not put through. So they created a wild card. Oh. So the producers, Greg Burness, who I actually met when I was 16, and he was the EP on another TV show that I did called Pot of Gold, <laughs> and he remembered me from back then. <laughs> um, and so he said to me, we really want you in. So we're bringing you back for a wild card show. Do not disappoint me. Or no pressure. Yeah. And so I went back for this. It was like, obviously, he was throwing me a lifeline here. And they put me through. Again, though, I wasn't voted from the public. So I scraped into the top 12, basically because the producers wanted me in there. Um, So I'm forever thankful to Greg and the team. So so just hold the thought on Idol and the top 12 going forward. A, A weighty question. And it's normally framed um, around athletic performance, but we have a lot of kids listening to this show, Anthony, with their parents or by themselves, which is a blessing that so many wonderful people can Mm. pass on amazing lessons from their life, which is what you're doing now. So... I wish you told me that earlier because I've right. been swearing. <laughs> no, no, you haven't. Trust me. Trust me. It's a sport podcast. Don't, okay. don't worry. You're, Sorry, you're kids. good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're an artist as well. Artists get a lot away with a lot of extra stuff. I've noticed that with the rock stars and Bernard Fanning types and um, Tame Impala. They, they get away with a bit more, um, the creative types. How do, I front, how do I ask you this question? So from your experiences of the, the pain you went through hmm. internally about your sexuality and your place in the world and then telling your parents, if you look back, what did you learn? It's a, it's a weighty thing to give advice with because I guess situations that is personal in any part of life are very individual. But from your experience, what did you learn that you could potentially pass on to others? 
to maybe smooth their journey, whether it's about sexuality or mental health or performance or anxiety or, or whatever it may be? Be kind to yourself. Like literally put yourself first and foremost and ask yourself the question, what can I do for myself to help me? Um, I think that's really important because it's really hard to ask for help. I didn't ask for help and I tried to internalize it all and try and work it out for myself, but I needed help. But the only way that you can actually get help is if you acknowledge within yourself that you need help. Mm -hmm. And my help writing that, like writing that letter to my parents, that was clearly when I look back at that moment, that was my way of asking for help. Like it wasn't a traditional way of going, can you help me? It was just like, I am, I'm, I'm so at that point now where I'm at a dead end. So I need, that was my way without saying I need help. That was my way of asking mm. for help. Um, and don't feel as though that you need to tick everyone else's boxes around you and give yourself time to learn about yourself. We all have a story. And this is not just about sexuality. Like we all have the right to find ourselves and find out who we are as people. Like I'm a very different person now, you know, than what I was in my twenties mm -hmm. and early thirties. And even being in a relationship, like I've been with Tim for 15 years. Like I think very differently. I'm still the same person, but I, I think differently because of the influences around me and the people around me. And I love that because it's about evolving and not limiting yourself. Um, but yeah, just be extremely kind to yourself because I wasn't in my 20s. I was not kind to myself. And I literally put everyone else before me in a work scenario, in a friendship scenario. Like I, in my early 20s, like, yeah, I came off idle. I was making really good money. And I realized that the people around me didn't actually have my best interests. Um, a lot of them in a professional situation didn't have my best interest because they just saw me as a cash cow, mm. um, which is fine. I get it. That part of what I do is a business. But as a 21, 22, 23-year-old, I didn't think like that. I, yeah, I felt a bit used. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then I did a bit of a clean out. And I, I remember my dad even saying to me, he's like, just watch the people around you. He goes, I want you. And he also said to me, he goes, I also want you to have a good time in life. But I wasn't really having a good time because it was just me. Like me going out and drinking was me masking what was going on internally. And yeah, in the first three or so years after Idol, I, I was very protected. I was you know, I, I did media, they gave me so many media training sessions because it was like, we can't talk about sexuality. We can't talk about relationships. And so that extra pressure on top of everything else, it made me feel so, so anxious, like walking into interviews. Like I used to have, you know, the publicist and well, maybe two publicists, <laughs> and then I'd have my management and then I'd have someone else. And it was always very, I was cotton wooled. And they are such hard interviews to do as, the, as oh. the person asking the questions, let alone answering them. When you're put in that situation, you're like, wow, there's six people in the room. I, I, just, I just want to have a positive chat with this bloke. I felt like a 
dick as well. Yeah. Like I honestly felt like an idiot. Oh, he's that guy that needs. Needs all of yeah. this, this hoo-ha around you. And, but like even the media training, it was so intense. Like sit like this, talk like this, address the person like this, your eye contact this, don't <laughs> fold your legs, do this. And I'm just like, oh my God, there is a lot to think about. <laughs> Let alone like, what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say. And I was just so overwhelmed. And I, I feel as though that they thought that they had my best interest at heart because I, I get it. Like I'm signed to a label that, you know, my first single came when, when the prayer came out, I was told before the, the album came out that you've actually recouped your entire album before the album's released just on the sales of one song. On the prayer. On the prayer. Which was, I've written down here, fastest selling single by an Aussie. Number one, five weeks. Second biggest single of the 2000s. Pray you be eyes and watch us where we go and help us to be. So, so the final itself, I, I, I'm, I don't have any musical talent. I sat there and watched it. Well, I watched a 45-minute clip of all your performances. Oh, my God. I, I'd forgotten how many songs. Like you, you would have knocked out 20 different songs. I'd mm-hmm. forgotten how long the thing went for. Like, it just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Performance, performance. But when when you sung the prayer, and I was, I was watching it, and you're singing it, and I was like, wow, I can see well, this bloke. This bloke's amazing. And then you started singing the verse, chorus, etc. in Italian. Obviously, don't speak Italian. And I, I sat there, I was in front of my iPad yesterday at home in Bowen Heads, and the hairs on my arms were standing up. Mm. As I said, I don't know anything about opera, I can't speak Italian. I. I I'm not an artist, but it was like it got me in the feels, as my kids say, um, and obviously got the country in its feels. Yeah, it's interesting that performance because when I watch it back, and I did watch it back when I was writing this book. Yeah, um, it gives me goosebumps. It's amazing. So mate. the thing is, I go to that headspace in my head at that time, um, and I can completely acknowledge that that performance, that first performance of the prayer on Idol is not the most perfect vocal delivery. There was pitch issues. There was parts that I messed up, but the the most perfect part about that performance is the intention and the emotion that I had and built up that I just put that into that performance. And that's what made it so, for me, that's why I think it connected with so many people because everyone around me at the time was telling me not to do it. The producers on the show, there were so do many Do not people, sing that song. Do not sing that song. This is against the rules. We don't allow people to change their songs, but we want you to change the song because this is not going to work. Did for they you. throw other suggestions at you? Or? No, they just said, choose another song. Okay. It's Artist Choice Week. Just choose another song because I think that you're shooting yourself in the foot. Because at the time, they just wanted to roughen me up. They're just like, we want more of a rock pop vibe. We need to roughen you up. You seem too polished and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, if only you knew I'm a bogan from Werribee. Uh, <laughs> but like, and so I just went, no, stuff you. This is what I want to do. I loved this song. I've never had a classical or opera vocal lesson in my entire life. I'm a pop R&B singer. 
But the fact that I just wanted to challenge myself and do this song because I just thought it was a beautiful piece of music with a really beautiful message behind it. It doesn't have to be religious. Like just the sentiment of the, of the song was just beautiful. And I said, no, I'm going to do this. And I dug my heels in and I'm so glad that I did. And that's why I feel as though that's why when I look back at it, the, the fear and the terror in my face was just like, fuck it, this is either going to work <laughs> or it's not. And just even the way that I walk out to the stage, like when I look back at the footage, I'm just like, me dead. Well, it, it, <laughs> it did work. And you mentioned like three and a half million people watch it. And you, you, you mentioned your friends. We had in this very studio a couple of weeks ago, the outer series, um, Fitzy Ryan, and he talked about mm. playing footy and no one knew him. And then he walked out of the Big Brother house and people are coming up to him on the street. Mm -hmm. um, how is it walking out of Idol, which is... Like if people think about it, three and a half million people, that's an AFL grand final viewing level. Mm. That's an NRL grand final viewing level. There's nothing in Australian TV that does that now. So how do you go from being Anthony the singer to, oh, that's Anthony Clear. I love Anthony Clear. I've got a view. I've got an opinion. I want to touch. Mm. I want to see. I want to autograph. It's hard. It was definitely hard. Is it overwhelming? Oh, my God. Completely. Is it? Completely. I was a 21-year-old kid, mm. man. Um, I ended up in hospital in the middle of Idol as well. I think it was week two, week three, if I remember correctly. Um because I was just so overwhelmed. Um, they also gave me two lumbar punches because they thought that I had meningitis. Oh. Um, but they missed the first time. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't fun. I do remember You didn't pain. have meningitis? No. I was just stressed. Stressed, right. And filled with anxiety. Right. Um, but I do remember when I sang that the prayer, that was a turning point for me. And, like, we, we were sort of protected when we were in, on Idol, the show, we were living in a house together. We had security at the front. Every time we went somewhere, it was very guarded um, because there was a lot of interest. But yes, as soon as I, we actually, in the last week or two, and I do speak about this in the book of Idol, there was um, a death threat made on me. So then basically it was like, if Anthony Clear wins, we're going to kill him. And then the production company was so good about it. Um, John Moncrief, he's a security guy in Melbourne. Um, he looked after my parents in Melbourne. They got a security guard to fly to Sydney with them on the plane. Um, it, was, it was very overwhelming that a decision that I made to do, like I made for myself to mm. do Idol, had a domino effect on my family. And that mm. was really hard for me to deal with because I felt so guilty. Um, you know, all of a sudden, my brother and sister, like at school, they were no longer Matthew and Christina. They were Anthony's brother and sister. Yeah, got yeah. And then, you know, my parents would go out. My mum's car got keyed twice. Um, really? Yeah. Um, there was eggs thrown at my parents' place on multiple occasions. Where, where's the hate coming from? Like, yeah. You put yourself out there. You have to take the good with the bad. But the thing is, I wasn't, I wasn't educated enough. I didn't have life experiences to understand that. And I suppose that was part of my issues of not only wanting to feel comfortable with my own self, which took me forever, but just wanting to please people all the time because I'm like, why, why do people have that reaction to me? But, but mate, that's, that's, I was talking about this again with Fitzy. This is a bit of a bugbear of mine. That's the modern Australia, as you said, that you have to take the good with the bad. But what's the bad? Where's the negativity about a young kid? No, I don't kid. like people complaining. I don't like seeing people in the limelight complaining about, you know, about fame. I, I That's get, the part I, that I, I... I get that, but keying people's cars and no, egging people's houses, it's like there's a young man doing his best. I don't understand whether anger or the angst 
or the negativity comes from but I in our say, modern world. You know, my as I've gotten older, you can't control other people and the no, way that can't. they think and their actions. You can only control what comes out of your mouth and the way that you react to a situation. And you can either get mad about it or affected by it. But it that can, it confuses me. Of course. It confuses me too that someone's head can actually think like that. And yes, it completely affected me in my younger years. But as I say to everyone now, I'm I'm like an iron. I'm like Teflon. You can throw anything at me, it ain't gonna stick. Like I don't care because I'm comfortable now within myself and what I've done and my relationships with people that that's what's important to me. Um, I'm not here to please everyone. Um, I used to be that person, mm. but I was in a really bad headspace while I was trying to be that person. But yeah, that idol, I went on a bit of a tangent then. No, that's fine. But I, um, that idol grand final too, yeah, knowing that I was walking on stage that night, basically wanting to be killed, <laughs> was a very bizarre headspace to yes. be in. Very bizarre. Back to Anthony in a tick. That is actually it for this season of the Artist Series, but there's now 21 episodes to listen to, so go back, check them out. The first series started back in September 2021. Ten episodes there, six more episodes dropped in September, now the last five. Here oh, how are you? Day. You're doing a marvellous job there, uh, young Howie. But I've got a couple of notes for you. You can improve on a couple of areas, but uh, anyway. Oh, dear. Is there a toilet around here? I love finding the bit that will excite Hame. If I can find that seed of an idea where I look, tell him and see the glint in his eye, yeah. that's when I'm like, we're on. This is going to be great. It was so exciting shaking hands with Mother Teresa that we took a security guy with us and he passed out. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of anticipation for that album because the album before it was more successful than the album before that. Yep. Yeah, that album definitely, without doubt, altered the course of my life. About every five minutes, the audience would buy me a shot. And so I did an hour set and I would have done like maybe 12, 14 <laughs> shots like during this set. It was so much fun. But we were just normal guys that, you know, all went to school together and started practising in a garage and then all of a sudden we're, you know, selling out stadiums around the world. It's nuts. What's the point in wrapping yourself up in cotton wool if you're not living a great life? Life, you know, is a short time and you really should squeeze as much as you can out of that bad boy. Alrighty, let's get back to Anthony. So if we if we move forward then to move right forward, like twenty twenty three, for example, like what what's the life and business like of you? Like mm. known throughout the country, an amazing singer like, what are your gigs? Where do they come from? What do you say yes to? What do you say no to? How busy are you? Does does incredible talent and work ethic, which you obviously have both of, translate into what is success? Yeah. Success is being happy for me. Um, and I think once you actually wake up every day in a good mindset and you are happy, I'm very lucky that I get to wake up every day and my job, in inverted commas, is singing. Well, I did think that when you said when you're down, you go into a room and sing, mm. I thought, wow, that's cool that that's what you do for a living. Yeah, it is really cool. And I'm very privileged to be in that position. For the last 20 years, though, since Idol, yeah, my dad always said to me, don't expect anything delivered to you on a silver platter. Work your ass off for it. And I do. I 
love working. And for 20 years, I work, I work hard. And I've changed the way that I approach things now. I don't have a lot of people around me. I have really beautiful core people that I can trust and they trust me and I keep them in my, in my team. But my number one love is live performance. You can put me in a studio for weeks on end, but I, I need that connection with people. And that's what I do each and every year. And I have been doing that for so many years. Like this year we've got for the first time ever, me and Tim are actually touring together, but we've got 26 concerts around the country. Um, we've already got out of them. There's probably about 15 that are already sold out. So for me, you know, this year is great because I get to be in theaters around the country 25, 26 times. Um, and then also, you know, recording. I love like the last album that I did was my eighth album and and with a sporting theme that you didn't understand. Which I didn't understand. It was called 40 Love. 40 Love. <laughs> which it, it, the rest of the world is a tennis an acronym. Yeah. And again, my beautiful husband turns around and says, I really like the double entendre. And I went, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, it's about turning 40 and loving and embracing everything that's happened in my 40 years. And he's like, you know it's a tennis term. And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, I wanted to do that album independently without a record label and I paid for everything myself. Like I chose the producer, I wrote the songs, I did the artwork with the artwork designer. Like it was, I'm never going to make my money back on it, but it doesn't, that doesn't bother me. And is there fear when you are, when it is really just you, when you haven't got the publicists around you and the people in the interview nope. and this is... It felt really comfortable. Right. So it was it felt really a positive experience. It was the first album that I've ever done and I made every decision on that album. and So it's on you. It's on me. And the fact that, you know, it was the week too that Taylor Swift was out. and uh, Bloody Tay-Tay. And I think, um, who was it? Andrea Bocelli was out and blah, blah, blah. And for it to, you know, no label behind me, no nothing. Yes. And it came in in the top five. Absolutely. I was just like, yeah, this is really cool. This is really cool that I'm releasing my music after 19, 20 years and it still can somewhat stick. And that is something that, you know, I, I am proud of because I have worked my ass off to constantly do what I love to do. But having that connection with an audience is really, really important for me. And the, the beautiful thing about it is that I'm able to connect with people through music. Mm. And music is such a universal language and it makes you feel. And no matter who you are, Music is part of our lives. Like whether you're a sports guy, whether you're a whoever you are, yeah. like we all have music that we love and it makes us feel things. Um, and it's a really beautiful thing to be able to do that as a job. So so with the music component, you, you mentioned earlier on you're not the tallest man, you're not the biggest man. So for the uninitiated, when you open your mouth mm. and there's this booming voice, because I don't understand the mechanics of singing, I think – how can a man of that, it's, to me, it's like a small bloke walking into a gym and lifting the heaviest weights. It's like, how, how the hell has he done that? But obviously physical bulk is not the key to what you're doing. So in, in layman's terms, what's the key, apart from 30 years of practice and intense training, what's the key of singing with so much power and depth from, from your frame? <laughs> Um, 
Do you know I what I mean? I don't really think about it. like Because that. you've trained it so well or it's just always there? How do I explain this? Like, it just feels like it's another, well, it is my body, like the voice is coming out of my body, but it just feels like it's embedded in me. Like, I don't, I don't see myself doing anything else. Like I tried, like I tried to do a business course and I tried to do things that, <laughs> but I'm just like. Uh, hello, accounts, accounts receivable. This yeah, is Anthony speaking. Yeah. I help you. But I, I just feel as though it's part of me and I can't really explain it because that's all I know. Um, but I feel as though if it comes from an honest place, like it's funny that you keep saying training and so forth. Mm. I've, if I have to be completely transparent, I'm not one of those singers that, you know, wakes up every day or even when I'm on tour that does vocal exercises okay. and all of that stuff. The one thing that I do most days, I do it even when I'm not touring, is swim. I love swimming. I think that it's great for my diaphragm, my lungs. Okay. So I swim every day. And I only do like, you know, a K, a K and a half. Oh, he just said only doing a K and a K and a half. He drops in casually. That's good <laughs> it's distance. not a lot, though. Oh, that's fair enough. <laughs> but my little legs have to kick a lot harder than everyone else's. <laughs> but um, that that's sort of the only thing that I do. Like I try and keep myself hydrated and so forth. But yeah, to be honest, uh, five minutes before I go on stage, I have a nip of scotch and a cigarette. That's, that's what, what you- I do. Typically not now what you hear from Olympic swimmers, but yeah. I appreciate the approach. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that, that's you. You're off, where you, off you go. That's, yeah, it was interesting. And <laughs> yeah, that's how I somewhat connected a little bit too with Shane, yeah, going no back doubt. to Shane. No because doubt. when we're in the jungle, okay, this is a little bit of a backstory, but, and it's probably not the greatest thing to, to share, but you have to go obviously go and get a doctor's certificate and so forth to get to go into the jungle and they need to make sure that you're sane enough. Um, but I went to my doctor at the time and I said, you need to write me a doctor's certificate and put in that I can't give up smoking. <laughs> and he goes, that goes against everything that I believe in. And I went, That's the I know, right, right there. but I'm going to have a mental breakdown <laughs> if you take them off for me for and, six and a half weeks. And the king would have too. No, this is well. the thing. Apparently I was the only one that got it in my contract. Right. So then... On the second day, because obviously I went out of the, because you had to go and stand there with a security guard and smoke. (laughs) And I know, right? And you couldn't talk to them. And I walked back into camp and someone said, I smell smoke. And then I just, I'm not going to lie. So I put my hand up and I said, yes, um, I have an agreement where I can go out for smokes here and there if I need to. Red rag to a bull. And then you should have seen Shane's face going, (laughs) well, that's And then Brendan's like, well, that's (laughs) <laughs> so I'm like, I'm so sorry, everyone. So yeah, I think there was like three of us. <laughs> so, so that's your preparation. I, I was thinking about this on the way up, um, whether it was an appropriate thing to ask or not. So I thought I would just ask anyway. I was thinking if it was an athlete mm. before a game of cricket, you know, am I asking them, can you show me your cover drive, which won't mean anything to you? And I think, oh yeah, maybe. But then they're like, oh, I'm not warmed up properly or blah, blah, blah. Can you sit here in the studio without being warmed up and had your right preparation and sing something? Like, can you sing me a verse or a chorus just sitting down or is that not an appropriate thing to ask because you are a performer <laughs> and you need to be up on stage and ready to go? It's not that it's an inappropriate question to ask, but... Well, I hope not because I just asked it. <laughs> but it is, um, yeah, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird situation to be in because yes. it's like people just think that you can just 
well, I know I can sing. Like whenever I have to. Well, this sing. is what I don't but know is what is thing. required to just do it, and but is it too intimate to sit across from someone and just do it? Oh God. Um, oh, what can I sing? Um, let's um, let's do a bit of Brian McKnight. Okay. Um, do you know who that is? Yes, I do. Oh, you do. I do. Okay. It's undeniable that we should be together. It's unbelievable that I used to say that I'd for never. The businesses need to know you don't know just how I feel. Then let me show you now that I'm for real. And all things in time, time will reveal. Eh, eh, that's all you're getting. Give me a hug, man. <laughs> My thought as you were singing that is I wish myself or anybody in the world had in their field the talent or the mastery to be able to do that because that's an incredible thing you just did. Like it, the, the connection, the skill. Like I work as a sports commentator. I'm okay at it. I'm not able to do that. There, there'll be lawyers out there or doctors or bankers that will think I'm okay at what I do, but I'm not at that level. That's an extraordinary, extraordinary thing to do. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it really is. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, um, it, for me, it's, yeah, as I said before, it's just part of who I am. Wow. And I, do, do you understand what I mean? That I, I wish everybody in life would get the opportunity to be as talented, that's the better word, at something as you are at singing, to be able to just do that like that. But we're all good at something. Yes, we? I think we are all good at something. <laughs> But my whole point is watching you do that. There's nothing in my life that I'm as good at that you are at singing, I don't reckon. Oh, I don't think you can say that. No, but, I can. Uh, <laughs> I can because I know me and I've seen what you've just done. But because it, because you can do it, mastery is something that is, once you can do it, you can do it. So it doesn't seem like a hard thing to you. It doesn't seem a like skill, a skillful it's, thing. It's a brilliant skill what you do, like what you're doing now. Like not many people can sit there and interview someone or have a conversation with someone and do it so well because I've done so many interviews over the years. I've had so many conversations. Like you have an ability to make people feel comfortable. Well, that's nice. Thank that's, you. Like it, we all have something that hopefully we're good at. Um, but I'm very, I'm very privileged and lucky and blessed that the, the thing that I do every day as a job is something that – I was partly born with. Yeah. Um, okay. It's an interesting, that's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a weird headspace to be in because I've never really thought about it like that. You've actually just asked me a question that I'm like, I've never really thought about it like well, that. Well, you should. Thanks for singing. It was, um, <laughs> it was really, really cool. We, we always finish this podcast in the same way. And I don't want to finish because I, I could ask you many more questions. But for those that want to achieve success, and you've had incredible success mm -hmm. and it'd be great, congratulated for it. I say to kids, but anyone really that's looking for success in their life and your experience, what advice would you give for those that want to achieve success in their field, Anthony? Success is not necessarily, you know, money, cars, awards. You can be so successful in your chosen field, but so unhappy at the same time. And I was that person. Like when I was touring in the first two, three years, 
got number one songs, number one album, touring constantly, making a decent amount of money. I was unhappy. So happiness to me is success. And when you are happy and you approach things, approach your work or you approach situations with joy and happiness and willingness, that hopefully translates into other successes. But I, you know, I like nice things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't have my head in the clouds and I'm very fortunate to be in a position where, you know, financially I am comfortable, me and Tim. And so that makes choices in life a lot easier, which I totally acknowledge. And I'm not sitting here with my head in the clouds, but for me, I had more money back in the day. Um, and I was so unhappy. So I'd go, I'd rather less and be really happy and make choices. Like to me, that's success. To me, getting to a point in your life where you wake up every day and you want to live, that's success. It's a great answer. Um, it's a stunning podcast. I was excited about chatting with you. I, I hope that I can bring little Skyzy along to watch your and Tim show at some stage. Oh, because you just I tell me. I sort of know people if you want tickets. Right, okay. <laughs> that, that, that would be great. Hey, mate, thanks for joining me on the Thank you for having me. Well done. I tell you, that is one super talented dude. What a voice, what a performer. Thanks to Anthony for coming into the studio and entertaining us all and to the superstar that is Vicky Alopoulos for making it all happen. Hope you love the artist here as much as I did bringing it to you. It will be back soon. Do not fear. Until next time, peace and love. <laughs>